around at 100 miles per hour, manic, exhausted, never able to give yourself a minute's peace. Take a lesson, the three-toed sluice. This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a chilly, dark England. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or, heaven help me, causes you to choke on your cornflakes? Please let me know, as always. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Oh, yes, it's cold. And do you know something? I've only been signed into the chat room two minutes and I've already learnt something new. Jacqueline in the chat room is saying that we never, ever refrigerate our eggs they sit out for weeks. The trick is you never wash them. Uh, chicken will take a, a week to lay all her eggs and she's going to sit on and she sits on them for three weeks and they're still fine. So there you go. I have to admit I've never refrigerated eggs before, but I didn't know you could leave them under the chicken. That's good to know. When I have my small holding with my chickens and, and everything else, um, I will remember that tip. Um, lots of people permanently signed into the chat room by the looks of things um this is good but 15 in the chat room we can up that number just a little bit yes i have had a disastrous start to the day the only good thing is it can only get better from here i had a rather late night last night i'll talk about that in a moment and francesca was saying well i don't have to be in the rink until at the rink till 7 30 this uh, friday morning so why don't we just go in a little bit later no one else has a lesson so we could all go into train a bit later. I thought, great. So I set my alarm for quarter past six, which is a humongous lie-in for me. And I went to sleep and had a really lovely deep sleep. And then at quarter to six, I got a text message and it was fortunate my phone was on. There's my son. Mum, where are you? Are you at the rink? Uh, no, I'm in bed. Had you forgotten I've got a lesson at half past six? Panic stations, jumped out of bed. We've got to go now. Get out of bed now. We've got to get, get, get yourself dressed, okay? I'll be, I'll be downstairs in 10 minutes. Mum, I'm dressed and breakfasted and ready to go. Right, I'm coming. I have never dressed so quickly. I think if, if there'd been the fire alarm screaming at me, I would not have moved so far. Somehow or other, I got myself dressed in about two minutes and appeared at the rink 15 minutes later with my son as fresh as a daisy, all ready to go, and me looking an absolute wreck. So, yes, it's been a bit of a, a, an alarming start to the day, but it will get better. It will get so much better. Um, oh, no, Jacqueline is telling me, I've, I've misread that. No, don't leave them under the chicken. My point is that the eggs have to stay, the eggs have to stay good until the babies hatch. If you leave them under the chicken, you're going to have problems. You'll end up eating half-developed. Oh, da, 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 da. oh yes, sorry. <laughs> okay, right. Um, that's really um, slightly unpleasant. I hadn't thought of that. They, they would actually... So if, you left, so if you left... Hang on. This is going to sound like I've never done biology before, but if you left the eggs under the chicken long enough, would they, they, would they hatch eventually? Would that actually, or, or do they have to? Do you have to have special ambient temperatures and things like that, and brooders and all that? Um, Maggie is saying I left all the eggs I got from my mum's uh, um, ladies out on the counter, and so I was ready to cook them. Yes, I, I always have mine. I've got. I just have a box um, in my kitchen, and, and they just sit there. I've never thought of putting them in the fridge. Um, 
delicious. Speaking of eggs, I'm consuming the last ones this morning. That's wonderful. Well, the reason I have a very good reason why I was very, very late to bed last night. And that is because yesterday was Francesca's sweet 16th. And she's been very poorly and life's been a bit tough, but she was well yesterday. Thank God. And we were able to go to London and had a really, really wonderful day in London. We went to the British Museum. We looked at all the Roman and Greek galleries uh, because they're both studying Latin and classics. And we had a bite of lunch, went to the Japanese section, which they're also very interested in because of anime. And then we went to Les Miserables at the West End. Oh, the West End is so wonderful. I haven't been for ages. And it was a fabulous production Really, I think it's the the finest play I have ever seen. It was just beautiful. Um, I cried like a baby all the way through. Um, there they are outside, outside Limis. I absolutely cried like a baby. And it's funny because I've seen, I saw the show years ago, but of course it's completely changed how the pyrotechnics and special effects are just, I mean, it's it's so loud. I think if you had PTSD, you would have been able to sit in there because the, the guns going off really do sound like guns. Uh, but it was just incredible. And despite the fact that I have seen it before, oh, I have seen the film of Les Mis, I've read the book, I knew they were all going to die. Spoiler alert, they all die. I still cried so much. Um, and we finished off with the naughtiest, naughtiest cake I have ever baked. There we are. First food picture of the morning. Um, my daughter's not overly fond um, of cake, as it happens. So I made a freak shake cheesecake. And it was absolutely as rich as it looks in the picture. Um, but, oh, it was worth it. Um Jacqueline saying, my mini Banty hens are the best brooders. I take out the, the Banty eggs and replace with the eggs I want to hatch. Okay, I let my broody hens hatch out chicks. More dependable than incubator. I suppose they would be, wouldn't they? That's what I was trying to say was that ambient temperatures, you need to have an incubator. But I suppose, yes, broody hens are infinitely more reliable than incubators because usually the real thing is better than the incubator, isn't it? Um, good morning, Philip. Just signing in. But yes, today is... National Sleuth Day. And you're going to make fun of my accent all morning. It's sleuth, not sloth. It's sloth. Um, before that, so I can hear Dr. Torres already, and he hasn't even signed into the chat room yet. This is the day you are supposed to appreciate this delightful creature. An adorable, slow-moving, tree-dwelling, leaf-eating mammal. Um... It's supposed to raise awareness of the life cycle, the natural habitat. These extremely slow-moving animals, whose name is synonymous with one of the seven deadly sins, tend to spend their entire lives hanging from limbs of tr trees. And they have two layers of fur, which harbours a variety... This just sounds disgusting. They have two layers of fur, which harbours a variety of symbiotic algae, fungi beetles and other insects. Can you imagine having all that living on you? I mean, how grotesque is that? The fur gives it its characteristic green colour and helps the sloth camouflage itself in thick vegetation. Recent studies have shown that the algae and fungi in the sloth fur may help fight many human diseases, including cancer. Okay. 
if it's good like that, then I, I, maybe I should reassess my feelings about the three-toed sloth. I don't like these creatures at all. I think they're ugly and weird and slow. I can't understand why anybody would move that slowly. Anything would move that slowly. But apparently I'm supposed to spend the day learning about their habitat, um, visiting the local zoo. We don't really have a local zoo. I don't like zoos anyway. Volunteer your time and money to a conservation organisation working to preserve the habitat of the sloth. And finally, this is a good day to be slothful. <sighs> Splendid. I'll go back to bed then. Spend all the day doing nothing at all. Right. It takes a sloth a month to digest one meal. I just, I can't get over the idea of anything moving that slowly. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I just can't do it. I don't know if any of you watched Zootropolis or Zootopia, as I think it was called in the US, about this sort of weird, I don't know, post-apocalyptic animal society. You know, there, there don't seem to be any humans on the planet at all. They're all animals. Um, and there's a moment where Judy Hopps, who's a rather manic individual, is trying to cooperate with a very, very, very slow sloth who is a sort of civil servant. And they're at complete cross purposes because they are moving at completely different speeds. And I just felt her pain. I just felt Judy's pain all the way through that scene as she's desperately trying to give the sloth a number that she needs. And he's writing it down so slowly that by the time he's written the second digit, he's forgotten what the first one was. It's just terribly difficult. Um, oh, um, Jacqueline's saying tough day or extremely dangerous, actually. I meant to the, the sloth is extre in extreme danger. My phone picked up part of what was being said on the radio. To the sloth, it's extremely dangerous. Okay. Um, to the sloth. The day, is, the day is dangerous to the sloth? Um, or the... Oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, I was talking and, and your phone picked up and, and texted back to me what it was saying. That, that's, gosh, they're very clever, aren't they? Um, I don't know. Does everyone like sloths? You know, is it... it is it just me who just thinks they look weird? And they are too slow, and I can't face anything that moves that slowly. But perhaps this is the day. Um, Maggie said, you're killing me with the talk to text. Um, yes. <laughs> so I, I, sometimes I read something, I think, I know, I know, there's, I know there's, a, there's a message in there, right? I can't work out what it is. Maybe I'm just being really sloth-like today. Not slothful, um, sloth-like, and I'm just not getting it. Um, maybe, maybe the sloth has something to tell us, because... A study has found, this is one of these slightly the Pope is Catholic, um, you know, bears defecate in the woods kind of uh, studies, but that you should always go to sleep at the same time. That rest, guess what, is really important. Did you know rest is important? I can't imagine why anyone would think that. But this study has found that even small differences in sleeping habits um, between work and rest days can lead to unhealthy changes to the bacteria in our guts. They call it social jet lag. And it can lead to poorer diet because it is quite common. I mean, we all do this. I do this to some extent that you have one sort of set of sleep patterns during the week when you're working and then at the weekend you crash out. So you go to bed later, you wake up later, and 
according to this study from King's College London, this is really very dangerous. They did a, a study of a thousand adults and they found that even a 90 minute difference in the midpoint of your night's sleep over the course of a normal week could influence the types of bacteria that are found in your human in human gut. Um, and gut flora is something everyone's talking about now apparently i don't know i've never expressed much interest myself and it can have all sorts of unfavorable associations it's thought that this affects more than 40 percent of the uk population particularly teenagers and young adults who tend to like to party at the weekends um they notice all sorts of problems you're much more likely to eat um if you, if you have social jet lag, you're much more likely to have sugary drinks, to eat less fruit and nuts, eat less fibre. I don't know why you wouldn't eat as much fibre. So you're much more likely to get ill, gain weight and be exhausted. Um, so this is really important. Um, now, I would have thought this was pretty obvious, but it's true, isn't it? That it's very easy to think, well, you know... I'll, I'll just push through the week. I've got so much to do. And, and then at the weekend, I can just sleep. I can catch up on the sleep. I can catch up on my lost sleep. And what the study is saying, you never can. You can never catch up on sleep once it's gone. Um, oh, Jacqueline's saying the sloth is very dangerous. Really? I mean, to honest, I think they look like monsters. I know they're supposed to look cute. I think they look really creepy. Look at those three great claws and that face. Maggie's just put a, a picture of one in the chat room. I'm sorry. I think they look really creepy. Why are they dangerous? Uh, do they actually attack people? Um, or do they, do they drop out of trees onto people? We don't get them in this country, you see, unless it is in a zoo. So I have no idea really um, what sort of distance I should keep myself from a sloth. But it's, uh, I don't know, sloths I don't, look, look scary, probably are scary. Um, tell me more about the sloth if you know more, because I think sloths are... Aren't they um, indigenous to the Americas, but not here? Not sure. Is the Pope Catholic as a argument these days? Bear, bears, however, still crap in the woods. Do you know, Philip, I'm becoming more and more uncomfortable about even saying that. Uh, just, even though it's just an expression, I'm just, yeah, uh, touche. Jacqueline, I'm carrying buckets. What the heck? Hang on, I'll get back to that weird picture in a bit. Um, I'm carrying buckets. I'm fighting billy goats that are trying to eat out of the bucket that I'm trying to carry past them. I'm feeding very loud, hungry pigs that are screaming at me and the dogs are wanting me to feed them. And I'm trying to catch goats. I have milk machines going, so I have to talk text. Jacqueline, I'm astonished that you're able to cope in the chat room with all that going on. Good for you. This is multitasking taken to a new level. Maggie's just put a thing in saying how to survive an angry sloth attack. Apparently they can become agitated and will attack you with their sharp teeth and claws. Yes, with their, their teeth out like that, in that snarl, they don't look quite so cosy. That's really, really scary. Um, oh, and you're swiping mosquitoes away, Jacqueline. Um, just got bitten on the chin. Oh, dear. Yes, be careful, Jacqueline. You know, it's, it sounds like you, you're, um, you're rather busy at the moment. Maggie's saying good for us, they are slow. I suppose at least you can run out of the way in time. Um, but I guess it's probably an idea not to sort of poke them or just do anything that's going to annoy them. Yes, 
Denise um, saying sloths are ugly and creepy. Too much going on, Jacqueline. Um, indeed, yes. It's just not just me then. They are ugly and creepy and I don't like them. No, I'm, and it seems to me that there are even more reasons not to like them than I even worked out. It is 25 minutes past the hour. You're listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria, all the way from a very wet and cold England. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast. Same day from crusademax.com. We've been talking about... Um, Les Miserables and why it's wonderful and a tearjerker and it's so Catholic. It is such an incredibly Catholic story. The people crossing themselves all over the place and the good merciful bishop who buys the, the buys Jean Valjean's soul for God. Oh, it's so powerful by the witness of the martyrs, by the passion and the blood. I was in my element and this is one of the most popular musicals in London, if not in the world. Um, my terrible start to the day and National Sleuth Day and why I cannot stand the things, um, but why they may have something to teach us because even a 90 minute change in your timings of your sleep may have a disastrous impact on your health, apparently. Um, some very interesting things coming into the chat room. Um, Jacqueline is being superwoman. Um, uh, but saying my life wouldn't change it most days. That's wonderful. That's a good place to be in Jacqueline. Patriot 21, sloths mostly move slow, but if cornered, they can swing that claw very fast. Yes, they've got long arms, haven't they? It, it, it did occur to me. Um, Philip saying, I'm just, I'm exhausted, Jacqueline, just listening to you this morning, listening to your morning. Um, Jacqueline, not to mention the battery light going out on the headlamp and it's pitch black. So you're doing all these crazy things in the dark, Jacqueline, have I got this right? Um, oh, wow. And this is a, a snapshot. The king, king dude, what is that? Oh, is that, is that a sloth from a different angle? No, don't like. Um. King Dude is pointing out that without even moving its head, this little guy knows how to pick only the carrots to eat. Well, well, great that it's got discernment when it comes to carrots. I still don't like them, so there. Um, it is also today um, the anniversary of the day in 1955 when the final book in the Lord of the Rings trilogy was published. The Return of the King was published on this day in 1955. I cannot imagine the world or my life without Tolkien's wonderful masterpiece. I just can't. Um, it's, it was one of those trilogies. I discovered Lord of the Rings quite late. In fact, I discovered, discovered it because of the films when the first film came out. And it sweetened a terribly boring and miserable commute to London whilst I disappeared into Middle Earth. In fact, when I closed The Return of the King having read the trilogy through for the first time, I was so homesick for Middle-earth. I loved it so much. So, J.A.R. Tolkien, I salute you on this important day. It is also, Teehee, the anniversary of the day in 1959 when Oxford University granted equal rights to women studying at the university. Hooray! It took Oxford University till 1959 to acknowledge the significance of their female students. Cambridge granted full degrees to women in 1948. So guess what? As always, Cambridge got their first Oxford. Can you believe it was 1948? 
for Cambridge and 1959 before those two great universities granted equal rights to female students. By equal rights, I mean full degrees. I mean, actually acknowledging that if you study hard for three years, you should be entitled to a degree at the end. But also things like, which I only found out from reading Virginia Woolf, like women not having access to the same libraries and stuff like that. It, it just, I found it astonishing. But that all changed at least in 1959. Oh, gosh. Jacqueline saying, LOL, don't feel like superwoman. You are superwoman, Jacqueline. Never doubt it for a moment. But somewhat on the subject of certain great universities being a bit slow to grant equal rights to women. And let me just point out, you know, when people go on and on about how the church oppresses women and things like that, whilst it took until 1948 and 1959, respectively, for Cambridge and Oxford to start treating their female students with some respect, a pope, a pope, Pope Urban, was the first person to grant the first woman a professorship in mathematics. Maria Agnesi was the first female professor anywhere in the Western world when she was granted a chair at the University of Bologna by Pope Urban to teach mathematics very long time, over 150 years before any British university, secular university, bothered. Just saying. You know, it took a very much longer time for Oxford and Cambridge and most universities to grant women degrees, let alone grant them professorships. Jacqueline saying, yes, dark outside, have to get ready for school, 45 minutes away, so have to get up at zero dark 30. Right. Well, yes, I mean, I suppose everyone listening by definition is an early riser, aren't you? But I would never have believed that I would regard quarter past six as a lion and that quarter past four would be the normal time. But I can't bring myself to get up at quarter past four at the weekend. I mean, who would do that voluntarily? I, I don't care what such and such a study leader at King's College London said on the matter. Let's just hope it doesn't do anything awful to my gut. Sorry, I might not be here on Monday. But yes, on the subject of sort of tan tangentially women's rights and things like that, I don't know if I was the only woman who laughed my socks off reading an angsty article by a woman who is, let me just slip this one in before we go to the ad break, terribly worried about her daughter. She's so, so worried about her daughter because she wants to get married and have a big family and be a stay-at-home mum. She actually wants to have a family and be a stay-at-home mum. How, how horrifying is that? She, she's so worried. She's so upset. She's gone on to social media to ask for advice onto parenting platforms she says she has no real career aspirations. She plans to work with children in some capacity until she marries. That, that, that's not an aspiration. Um, then she plans to stay at home. Oh, horror. Those are her life goals. And to be fair, some people have been writing in saying um, this whole thing about femlib and all that, it's supposed to give freedom to women. So if she wishes to use her freedom to be a stay-at-home mum, why is this a problem? Um Answers in the chat room, please. Why on earth is this a problem? Anyway, we've got to go to an ad break now. 
You are listening to The Early Show with your very cold hostess, Fiorella de Maria. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation and post some pictures of food that would be nice the early show will continue in a few moments here on the crusade channel live talk radio the way it should be Seven eight seven two three. That's eight four four five two seven eight seven two three. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversations. You enjoy an abstemious Friday breakfast. Oh, that could have been worse. That dreadful music. I was warned. The most dreadful of all dreadful music's coming up next. Well, at least I agreed with the sentiment, even though there was an instrument that sounded like a whoopee cushion going off in the background. It's also, I tell you something, it is not just Friday. It is the beginning of my children's half-term break when they get a week holiday, a week's holiday halfway through this long term, which would normally be wonderful. We could normally have a lovely rest and relax. Except that because my children are taking part in an ice show at Christmas, they have rehearsals pretty much all day, every day, over half term. I will be living at the ice rink slightly more than usual, so it's not going to be the most restful half term. But yes, it is, thank God, Friday. We're talking about um, early starts. And um, oh, Jacqueline's saying it sounds like a subway station in the background. I hope it's cleared up now. Philip's saying I had a late start for this week. Rolled out of bed at 3.30. Oh, yes. Well, did any of us imagine when we were children that we would be getting up this early? Um, 
Jacqueline's saying, my broody hen just hatched out two chicks. She's a tiny hen hatching out full-size chickens. Oh, that's lovely. And there's pictures. Yay, I'm just adjusting my screen so I can see them better. Oh, there they are, little fluffy balls. They are so sweet. Um, yes, Maggie's saying that the King Dude needs help with his musical selections. I can help him with his Friday Friday selections, his Any Music Day selections, I assure you. I'm not sure he'd quite like my ideas, but, you know, I or does anyone... Okay, I'm going to regret this, but does anyone have any ideas for really good intro music for the early show? Play nice, please. Right. If you have missed the show so far, by the way, you can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com, where we have been talking about in no particular order. My terrible start to the day. Never mind. Let's move on. National Sleuth Day. I can't stand sleuths. I, there's nothing about this furry, weird, creepy looking creature that in any way attracts me. And it seems that I am not alone in thinking that sloths are weird and creepy and ugly and have no desire whatsoever to go anywhere near them. It has also been discovered... Uh, bears do defecate in the woods that changing your sleep patterns is really bad for your health oh um oh Jacqueline's pointed out that song uses the lord's name in vain I didn't notice well spotted another reason not to have it um lots of uh Comments coming into the chat room. Um, Louise is saying my brother Charles is undergoing heart surgery at this very moment. Prayers would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, I tell you what, Louise, what, since, since your, your brother is having heart surgery right now, can we say a little prayer now? I'd like to say um, my favourite prayer, prayer of St. Alphonsus Liguri. I love you, Jesus, my love above all things. I repent with my whole heart for having offended you. Never permit me to separate myself from you again. Grant that I may love you always and then do with me what you will. Amen. There we are. Please pray. Please pray hard now. It's, it's frightening. Uh, my, my father, also called Charles, interestingly, had open heart surgery years ago, and those hours when he was in surgery, they were very long hours, um, you know, wait, waiting for news. But, you know, God willing, it will be a huge benefit to him. Um Lots of people praying, Denny's saying praying, Jacqueline praying for Charles. And good morning to all the people who've just signed in, Ray, Tom, Dr. Torres. Okay, here we go. I'm going to discover something. I've, I've made the point, possibly the mistake of asking what intro music would you recommend? I am just bracing myself. Uh, Louise saying thanks so much. No, um, God bless Charles. And we're praying for you too, Louise, because it's it's stressful. We know we're loved ones ill like that. Um. Yes, I just before we went to the break, well, so just before we go back to our shock horror story, um, one of the lovely things about go, visiting London, I mean, Samuel Johnson said, whoever is tired of London is tired of life. After we went to see Les Miserables last night, we walked back to Waterloo Station. And it's really beautiful seeing London. We got to see a matinee, so it was early evening. And there's something about theatre land particularly at that time of the evening there's a real buzz there's a real vibe and 
lots of people sitting outdoors. It's just about still warm enough in your overcoat to sit outdoors. And we walked through Trafalgar Square. It's such an incredible historic space, all those statues and Nelson's Column and all the rest and a beautiful fountain. And across the Millennium Bridge through South Bank, quite near the London Eye. We could see standing on the Millennium Bridge. It's just stunning in the early evening. All the lights of the city sparkling, the London Eye all lit up. And Big Ben, you could see Big Ben in the distance, almost like something out of a film set. It was just stunning. And I read this morning that the Millennium Bridge is, in fact, about to close because it needs to have renovations. I mean, obviously, bridges need a fair amount of maintenance because you don't want them falling down, as in the nursery rhyme. But there is a bylaw, an ancient bylaw, which states that bales of hay have to be suspended underneath the bridges. You have to hang bales of straw bales over the edge of the bridge if you are doing work on it. So there are these hilarious pictures of men in your know, high-vis jackets and helmets you know, and things like that dropping these hay bales off the side of the bridge. Apparently, it is a very sensible precaution because they hang the hay bales um, over the centre of the archways that the, the boats go through. And it's just a way of reminding boats that they can't pass that way. Or if they are allowed to pass it, they have to use extra special care. It's a very tactile way of reminding people to be careful. But it just looks so funny. And it's, yes, it's apparently a very, very old tradition that they are maintaining. And I just love the fact that not only is this a bylaw, that, but it's being taken seriously in, you know, in 2023, when the headroom of an arch or span of a bridge is reduced from its normal Oh, but that arch or span is not closed to navigation. The person in control of the bridge must suspend from the centre of that arch or span by day a bundle of straw large enough to be conspicuous and by night a white light. As I said, it's one of the quirky traditions London is famous for, but it does serve a practical purpose. So there we are. Lovely you know, aluminium steel bridge and all that and bales of hay everywhere. Yes, lots of prayers coming in. Um, oh, Denise um, saying, met with surgeon yesterday, knee replacement in my future, no date set yet. Scary, but you will be running around when you have that knee replacement. You bet you'll be, you'll be running, you'll be running up the stairs, you'll be taking part in half marathons. Um, Jacqueline saying, turkeys, meat, chickens in a couple of little mini banties. Okay. Those are turkeys, right. Dr. Torres, that is beautiful. Flowers, thank you. Jacqueline, there are the turkeys. Is this for Christmas? No, they're not turkeys. They're ducks, and I'm really stupid. Do they look like turkeys to me? Um, you're letting the ducks out. Jacqueline, oh, no, no, those were turkeys. I'm sorry, my ignorance about, about nature is quite embarrassing. No, those were turkeys. I was right, because they got those sort of red rubbery things on their faces and there we go there are ducks yay um philip is saying i'm so used to the king dude's free phone friday version i don't know the original said thank god it's friday the king dude has ruined me with hearing the original as his parody lyrics always supersede in my mind 
and Dr. Torres, that there are the, the pictures. He's, he's posted a picture of workmen abseiling down off the side of the bridge to put to hang those hay bales. It just looks so funny because it's a completely modern bridge. You know, it's all brushed aluminium and things like that. And then the, there are bales of straw. I'm just wondering if birds are going to come and start uh, taking advantage. They'll probably find nests there. They'll probably have to leave them there. But anyway, I started uh, just before we went to the ad break, started telling the story of a woman, this is absolutely genuine, who was truly terrified and very, very upset because her daughter doesn't want to have a high flying career. She wants to get married. She said she wants to be married by 25 and have at least two children, but she'd like a big family. And is happy for the husband to be the breadwinner and what's she supposed to do about it you know she's begging other members of the parenting group to help her she said the worst thing is she she doesn't know where she got her traditional ideals from so she's old-fashioned the house she grew up in wasn't like that i thought this was a particularly telling detail she's in the process of changing her name to a traditional feminine one as she's never liked her unisex name since she was little it was um so it's not that her daughter hasn't thought about the future it's just that her mother doesn't agree with the trajectory and i just find this so funny because obviously all parents or mothers myself accepted not not accepted um included have plans for our children you know you, you shouldn't do that too much because in the end they are their own person they've got to make their own decisions but you know you, you have ideas about where your child might be going in life but I find it just very, very difficult to understand why this woman has a problem. For a start, she doesn't have no career aspirations. She says she wants to work with children until such a point as she gets married. So she's not saying I never want to work. She's clearly not lazy. Um, you know, she just uh, she just talks like this, and she says to. Um, she expects her. She has no plans for if anything goes wrong. She expects her marriage to last forever. Um, yeah, I'm still struggling to see a problem here. She's met a man in church who's three years older than her, incredibly wealthy, and wants a family young. They're just talking at the moment. Again, met a nice man in church. You know, three years is not a huge gap by any means. He's incredibly wealthy. He can support her. He wants a family. Um, no, still not seeing problem come on um i don't know what to say to her to be honest um yeah it's just very very odd but apparently the hashtag trad wife movement is on the rise with an intro of a group of influencers on both tiktok and youtube it's contributed to a wave of reverting back to traditional household ideals well uh can't see an issue you know I, I i just can't see a problem but i do i almost find it funny that this woman is so worried about her daughter for that reason because her daughter wants to do what actually an awful lot of young women want to do you know i i wanted to have a family you know um i've i always wanted to have my writing career i can't say i have i wanted to ditch my career but i also knew that writing was something i could at least I mean, not pursue full time while my children were young, but that I could at least keep my hand in while my children were young. Um, 
Philip is saying, we didn't burn all these bras and ruin all these relationships so you could go off and be all traditional. But I, I just, I find the hypocrisy of it just, I mean, funny, but also just troublesome because um, obviously when I was growing up, it was, it was a different generational sort of dynamic. The, the older generation were very much the kids of the 60s and they really fancied themselves as having liberated the younger generation to be the sort of women we wanted to be. And at the same time, got very, very annoyed when we did, become what we wanted to be but it didn't fit in with what we were supposed to want to be um i mean i, I remember a, a young woman turning up in a, in a mantilla beautifully veiled to mass and this was very unusual in the late 90s um i don't i think this was the only time i saw um anyone actually wear it, wearing a, um, a veil because it was it's much more common now. It was not quite so common in Britain in rural parishes back then. Uh, but this this young woman turned up you know, wearing a veil that she had obviously bought herself or been given but had chosen to wear. And there was this friend of my mother's, oh, and she thought it was criminal and where had we all gone wrong and why should any young woman wish to, to wear such a thing when they burnt theirs and got rid of theirs? You know, oh, it was terrible. We were going backwards. We were turning about the clock and on and on and on. She shouldn't have even noticed. If she really cared about women making their own decisions... It shouldn't have even occurred to, to, to her to have a problem with her doing that. You know, it's... Yes, if she felt... If she felt that... Or if the young woman was very young, if she felt she'd been brainwashed in some way, that she was being forced or pushed or whatever, that's a different matter. But this was a mature young woman who was clearly perfectly capable of making a decision. I do not veil. But I can't imagine being quite that venomous about someone who does. I, I can't imagine even considering it to be any of my business. Um, Maggie's saying, be what you want to be as long as it's what we want you to be. The working mum is what is pushed. The stay-at-home mum is frowned upon. The tides are turning. I mean, I think... Um, I think there is definitely, I'd, and I'd, I'd say tide turning rather than a backlash, because a backlash just feels like a, it feels so negative. It, it, it is a very derogatory expression. I do think, however, there are perhaps more young women, particularly those who've maybe not grown up in particularly ha happy family environments, who do have that strong urge to settle and it's a pretty natural urge to want to settle down, you know, nesting and things like that tends to happen at a certain age. And it doesn't just happen to women either. I remember thinking it very sweet when I was a student and there was um, a male student who was working part time doing punt rides uh, for tourists, you know, it's punting on the on the cam is a big thing in Cambridge. Um, you know, you hire a punt and you you know you get the usually completely garbled, made up, guided tour by a a man or woman in a straw boater. So all very all very bright-head. And he was chatting away to some tourists, and they were saying, "Oh, you know, must be wonderful to be a student at this university and all the rest." And he said, "Oh yes, I love it. I love being a student, but you know." I want to get married. I want to hear the pitter-patter of little feet. I just thought, how lovely. And how lovely that you actually admit it. Because, in fact, most of the time people just think it and don't say it.
Um, and I suppose that's one of the things about TikTok and all these platforms that I don't like very much is that because there are some very negative influencers out there who have far more power than they should have, who seek to influence young people on subjects they don't even know very much about. But it does mean that those who do have a a genuine message, that they are more than equipped. You know, I'm guessing a lot of these so trad wives are, are themselves already married with children. It means that they can't be censored so easily. They do have a platform. Dr. Torres is suggesting Friday is my day by ZZ Hill would be a good show opener for Friday. Who doesn't like blues music? Did I do the assignment correctly? I got here late. Yes, I, I, did I do the assignment correctly? I, LOL, I got here late. I think that sounds... Well, I've no idea what the music is, but I, I quite like blues. I'm okay with blues. Jacqueline, that is such a beautiful picture. Receiving Jesus in the Eucharist is like getting married over and over and over again. Rachel, aged 14, and there she is. Now, isn't it beautiful to have worked that out so young? I'm, I'm absolutely speechless, Jacqueline. That is such a beautiful message. Um, do you know this girl? Is she one of your pupils? Or is this, uh, is this a meme? Because just what, what a wonderful example, you know. Um, Denise um, saying, tide needs to turn, enough the liberal liberation crap, tools of the devil. Well, I think, you know, you always have the situation in society where the pendulum swings one way or the, or the other. You know, we have the situation in Britain that fewer than 5% of families um, have more than three children, have three or more children. Sorry, so more than two children. You know, we're very much... Um, we're very much in a, in a minority. My own children know very few other children who belong to uh, big families or who even have siblings. But we're there and we are pretty conspicuous because if you do have a big family, people tend to notice you because, let's face it, we're a lot noisier than most people. And a lot of my children's um, only child friends do say, you know, I love coming to your crazy house. I wonder what it's like to have brothers and sisters. You know, so who knows? Um, oh, Jacqueline's saying it's an ad for Veils by Lily. That is, it's just beautiful. Be and beautiful veil, beautiful girl, and beautiful sentiment. So the perfect ad, I would say. Um, Jacqueline saying Mary was veiled and Mary was at home, was at, at home mum. Yes, I just, it's one of those things I don't, seek to impose it on anyone as I said I, I don't veil myself but I just I just feel you know you have to if those good ladies or well-intentioned ladies or, or whatever you wish to call them who burned their bras if they ever did burn their bras if they really do believe in letting girls get on with it then they have absolutely no business getting in the way when a girl says I want to get married one day and I'd like to have a big family and I'd really like to be a stay-at-home mum I can't see how you can possibly argue with that. Um, Jacqueline's saying many of my students come from families of 10 or 12. Well, this is it. You see, I think if my children were at your school, they wouldn't feel like they came from a big family because I don't even regard four children as a big family. Um, I would happily have had twice as many if I'd had the opportunity. And for, so for me, f four children is, is nothing to even explain. But I've had so many comments 
I mean, so many comments since my children were little. Are they all yours? Do you know what causes it? Your husband can't leave you alone. I mean, that's a really, really offensive thing to say. Um, it amazes me if people even think they've got a right to ask or comment. But the fact that four children causes comment is quite extraordinary to me. It's three minutes past the hour. You're listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast. Same day from crusademax.com. And we have been talking about Les Miserables, the bestest musical ever. Has anyone ever watched Les Miserables? It is just so lovely. There is a film version. Never mind the fact that it's got Anne Hathaway in it. Don't worry. Don't let it put you off. It's a really good film, but it's very much for older. But do not give it to little children to watch. Um, it's got some quite explicit moments in it. But wow, it's wonderful. It's so Catholic. It's so beautiful, so positive. I just I love everything about Les Mis and had a fabulous time yesterday, even though it did trigger a bit of a chaotic start to the day this morning. Um, and as we walked across the Millennium Bridge, looking at the beautiful scene of lovely London, we didn't know that there are hay bales being hung from underneath the bridge to warn boats that there is work going on on the bridge. This is a thing. There is an ancient bylaw that if there is maintenance going on on a bridge, whoever is in charge of the bridge has to hang bales of straw off the edge down the centre of the arch to warn passing boats that they have limited access. And just sometimes, I really love London. I just The fact that a little bylaw from many hundreds of years ago is still being acted out, I, I think it's great. It's also National Sloth Day. I hate sloths. They are ugly, they are creepy and dangerous, and I don't like them, and I don't like sloth, and I don't like anything moving too slowly. Um, however, a study carried out by King's College London, my team at King's College London has found that altering your sleep patterns by only 90 minutes can radically change your gut flora and can have potentially very serious health benefits. And a woman is complaining. She's very upset because her daughter has said she wants to be a stay-at-home mum. She wants to marry. She wants to have a big family. And she wants to stay at home to look after her children and for her husband to be the breadwinner. And as you can imagine, um, as you can imagine, it's, uh, yes, it's caused a certain amount of comment. Um, gosh, hang on a second. Um, just a minute. Erin uh, Akima saying the call for liberated women is not a cyclical thing because it is socially destructive. It started with the Marxists for the whole purpose of destroying the family. And Dr. Torres is saying in America, five parents are killed each week by a child. Since you're talking about parents and children and all, that's awful. I had no idea it was that high. I mean, I know it happens, but it's really terrifying. Um, Dr. Torres, can you unpack that that statistic a bit? Is that deliberate murder or accidental death or do, do we do we know what, what's behind those numbers um every so often you hear a story about you know a child getting hold, a little child getting hold of a parent's gun and, and firing it not not knowing what they were doing that sort of thing um i'm just trying to give humanity the benefit of the doubt and that maybe that patricide isn't a thing um erin akima saying I'm, I'm with you for lfr's four kids is not a big family no i i just um I've had to completely readjust my understanding of, you know, what 
um, what constitutes a big family over here? Because within a generation, that's happened. Um, that that the whole the with family size shrinking so radically. Erin Akim also saying, um, fun fact: Les Misérables was at one time on the index of forbidden books. I believe it was because it was an apologia for um, revolution or something like that. Yes, I think um, cause I've I've read the book um, and it's. I wouldn't say it's very different to the musical because, in fact, the musical, I think, captures the, the basic essence of it. But, of course, it's one of these massive, long, two-volume works. About a quarter of it is essays. The, the writing style was very different. The structure of a novel was very different at the time. And, frankly, some of Victor Hugo's opinions are, are objectionable. He was very, very hostile to the contemplative life, for example. Um, and yet, on the other hand, he portrays uh, the bishop as this incredibly saintly figure who turns around Jean Valjean's life. He stands, it's sort of pitted against the harshness, the ugliness of the secular law um, that he, he allows, he allows Jean Valjean a second chance. He, he offers him hospitality, a bed for the night, food and drink. And he lives very simply, this bishop. He's really Victor Hugo's model of how a leader should be, how a church leader should be. And when Jean Valjean steals the silver and is captured by the police, he covers for him, says, no, no, um, the, the silver is for him. He saves him from the horror of going back to the chain gang just shortly after being saved from it, being liberated. And he turns Jean Valjean's life around because of that act of mercy Jean Valjean is able to change, but I suspect it is because it would be because of some of Victor Hugo's views, which really don't have very much. Um, don't, I won't say that, I don't think they influence the story that much. It's perfectly possible to read the story of Les Misérables and just to skip through the essays. I'm afraid I did a bit of skipping myself, but in terms of the, the positive portrayal of revolution, I'm not sure it is so positive because. What you see in Les Miserables, in fact, my daughters were talking about this a lot after we'd watched it, is that you have these very courageous young men who want revolution. They've got the red flag. They want the, the people to rise. And they are good. They are good men. You know, they are, they are idealistic young men. That's how they're portrayed. And they all get killed. And it's pointless. And what they're doing is pointless. Part of the tragedy of it. When you, you know you see them being massacred on the ba barricades, is that their their suffering was absolutely futile. Um, they they gave their lives in a pointless cause, and not just a pointless cause. France had had its own very nasty experience of revolution. It did not wish to go back there. There was a reason why the authorities stamped on those revolutionaries very hard, very quickly. Nobody wanted another reign of terror in Paris. So I think I can completely see why it might have been on the index. It would have been the index initially. But in fact, if you look at the way they are portrayed, on the one hand, yes, you got drawn into it. The songs, do you hear the people sing? I'm obviously, this is the musical, not the, not the book. You, you get drawn into their struggle. And yet at the same time, so much of the heartbreak is you just think, oh, come on, lads, you could have done something so wonderful with your lives. You didn't have to die a very violent death on the barricades for this fruitless cause. 
you could have done so much good. It that, that, for me, and, and I, that was I, that was why I cried buckets at that point in the story. Um, aha, Philip saying yes. That that's the um, that's the Les Misérables poster. Um, yes, I I don't like Anne, Anne Hathaway is actually good in the film. I don't like Anne Hathaway. I'm afraid I just don't like her as an actress. I I find, and I find the opinions she spouts just ludicrous. But she is pretty good in this. Um, and the only one I felt really, really didn't work at all was Russell Crowe as Javert. I just didn't think he had the voice. But there we go. So Dr. Torres is saying these deaths of the five parents who are killed a week by their kids, that is intentional murder. Wow. It's just... Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I just can't, I can't... I can't get my head around that. Um Paul C, I missed it. Is the movie version of Les Mis okay? Uh, it is. However, it's. I think it's a 12 certificate or may even be a 15. I would not allow uh, children to watch it. Uh, my daughter's watched it, but then she's, she's just turned 16. Because some of it, it's it's pretty true to the book, but some of it is very, very explicit. The, the bits where, the, where um, Fontaine gets caught up in prostitution it's not as explicit as you would expect but it's, it's enough to be quite disturbing um, and I, I wouldn't want to have to explain that to children and also it is very bloody in places and very distressing that the scene where the students get cornered it's it's very upsetting you know they're, they're banging on doors saying help help you know help us escape and it, it's yeah it, it's a it's a very nasty scene so I think there are there are moments in it which the more sensitive may find distressing, but you you kind of know what you're looking at. This it it was a a brutal period in history, and you know the book expresses that eloquently, and the the musical does as well. Um, Philip saying it was strange seeing Wolverine play Jean Valjean. Um, I don't know who that actor is. Um, I don't I don't know who who was it who played Jean Valjean in the film. Um, <laughs> they work his claws into the script. My son read that giant book, Les Mis, last year. It took a while. It does take a while. I, I admit that I was helped along by the Audible version, um, which was beautifully narrated. So I was listening to it as well as reading it uh, because it's quite a mammoth read. Though I must say it is very readable. You get very, very caught up in the stories of the individual characters. And... Victor Hugo did a very good job of exposing just the squalor that the the unfortunates that Les Miserables actually lived in, the terrible gap between rich and poor, the reasons why revolution happens. You know, the fact that that, that whole sector of society were exploited and ignored, that a man could go to the, not just prison, to the chain gang you know, the most brutal form of hard labour for stealing a loaf of bread to save a child's life. Jean Valjean, you know, the, the, the book starts with Jean Valjean's tragedy. He was sentenced to five years with the chain gang because he was trying to feed his nephew. And he ends up in prison for 19 years for a loaf of bread. You know, so he that was what he was trying to show was the utter brutality of the penal system that forced a man to be a prisoner really for the rest of his life that gave no opportunity for rehabilitation even when Jean Valjean leaves he when he's liberated he has his parole papers he can never escape from the man he was and that's that's really what is so eloquently described um 
Phillips said, all through high school, I had to listen to the theatre geeks go on and on about they missed this, they missed that. It was insufferable. Well, you see, if you watch it, you get, um, you know, you, you get some sense. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just seeing some of the comments. Um, Mike, are you there? I are. I have never seen Les Mis. Oh, you should. Which one? If there is. Well, I think the stage production is the best. Well, uh, I'd have to have a theater to go to. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it must, it must be being shown in America. Well, I'm not going to go travel to go see it. So <laughs> if, <laughs> if it's not playing down the street, then uh, the theater, the theater would be out. Well, listen, um, if you do your your pilgrimage to the UK, Les Mis has got to be on the agenda. Why is it like perpetually playing at a theater? And oh yeah, oh it's been it's been on for about twenty five years. It's not going anytime soon. Okay, and it's and it's in its full houses. I mean, the production we saw it was a full house, and at the end, the entire audience gave a standing ovation. We just all erupted into into a standing ovation. It was so brilliant. Um, so yes, it's going to be there for a while. So I remember. Uh, I think it came around. It came about. Either as I was my senior year in high school, which I'm going to date myself, would <laughs> have been 1980, or shortly thereafter, I remember seeing the mo- the poster of the um, the emaciated little girl with the beret hat on, looking uh, yeah. w- wistfully away. Cosette. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so uh, it, it dates back to the early 80s. Is that where is that where it was first yeah. performed? Probably yes. Yeah, as uh, my brother and my mother have probably seen it thirty times on Broadway. Wow, <laughs> people do get quite addicted to. It. I mean, it's you do. No, get he would go see it. Like they, they, they would make a big yeah. hoop de do deal out of it, and they would meet in New York, and they would go to Liam Is. Mm. And people are saying in the chat room, yes, the um, the Liam Neeson film is is excellent. Um, I don't watch Liam Neeson films anymore, but um, it, it's uh, it's very good. It's the opening again for the sensitive might be a bit much, but that was the first version I watched. Um, so it's good. Um, so, uh, uh, non se très bien, uh, les, uh, uh, cinema. Um, so it's not it's so, okay. it's not so good at the theater, at the movies. Um, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I sort of, I sort of. You sort of understood. Sort of, sort of understood what you meant. I, I'm getting better. My vocab. I'm almost up to 200 words now. No, it's great. It's really good. <laughs> no, I'm very um, much enjoying. Enjoying. That's the, it's still hard to. You don't know the the the, the cases and the and uh, the the cases and the declensions of all the conjunctions and. Pronouns. That's really. You don't have cases. The, you don't have cases in front. Well, not cases. I, I'm saying the wrong thing. Uh, plural, singular, feminine, neuter, masculine, or feminine, masculine. Yeah, articles. Yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, what you said. Um, uh, it, it's <laughs> to, to get into the habit of knowing which to put. Yeah. Of exactly. what order to put them in? When you need the L apostrophe? When you don't? When you need the uh, the S uh, or the SE? And when you don't? Um, uh, when you need the connection, because sometimes you can say Fiorella Mange. Yeah. Fiorella, or or, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, Fiorella's eating. You don't, you don't need yes. the yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, no, I answered that one, don't Okay, we? all right. <laughs> <laughs> Fiorella Mange, le chocolat. <laughs> yeah. 
So what was this uh, concoction that you put together for your children? I must ask. It looked it looked to me like it was inverted little uh, little Reese's peanut butter cups. Uh, they were well, well spotted. Yes, um, these have only recently appeared on the supermarket shelves in Britain. Oh, um, I can eat a box one. of those things. Mrs. Chur has to very. <laughs> she has to regulate my intake of Reese's by by hiding them, or I'll eat them all. I must say, I find the combination of salt and sugar a bit much, but the children quite like it. Um, it's it was the the cake was a freak shake cheesecake. Oh, the, okay. So it was on a cake. I was trying to figure out what the red. Yeah. So it wasn't a red plate. Uh, a red pan, plate. It was a red cake pan. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Now it makes sense. Yeah. Because Francesca's not quite so keen on um, on normal cake she prefers cheesecake so i thought well it's her birthday so i thought i'll make her a cheesecake for her birthday cake and it's it was a freak shake cheesecake so it had marshmallows uh, melted marshmallows mixed into the cheesecake mix <laughs> you can make me um, a cheesecake for my birthday because that's my favorite dessert oh is it cheesecake oh, oh well <laughs> well if if i ever get over to the u.s i will i will Risk a, a, um, another revolution by by making a cheesecake for an American. Another there we revolution. Are. <laughs> well, do you know, cheesecakes come from America, don't they? I do no. not know the etymology of the the culinary etymology of the cheesecake. Um, okay, maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah, which um, it would seem to me most uh, most culinary inventions are either good ones or either Italian or French. It, it might be French. Um, but then that's probably just because it's got cheese, and I'm assuming it's French. Um, but yes, the, she she loves this. So I, I just yes, I made and I, I I smothered it in all sorts of naughty goodies like um, yes, like peanut um, peanut cups and everything that I know she likes. The, I see in the chat room the sens de la vie. Yes, yes, the meaning of life. C'est chocolat. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I couldn't live without it. I could, can you imagine there was a period in history where there was no chocolate? Well, the chocolate is, uh, um, as we know chocolate, it's a yes. 19th century concoction. Yep. Here in the United States, a man named Milton Hershey, um, uh, before there was what is called today milk chocolate, there were just like the heavy chocolate. Yeah, and Milton Hershey uh, was a oh, how, who was a guy that makes candies. Uh, he was a candy air, a candy air or whatever whatever it was. He was a confection, Hershey confe bars are horrible confectioner. He was a confectioner. Um, well, it's milk chocolate. You probably don't like milk chocolate then. Um, you know, I love milk chocolate, but it's made completely differently over here. Okay, so Milton Hershey. It took him. Uh, it took him. And six people that worked with him, it took them, uh, uh, they experimented, and it took them eight years to perfect their milk chocolate that, be, that he became famous for. But right. here's the upshot, the real upshot to the story. Mm -hmm. Milton Hershey's first wife died, and uh, the, second, the, second, the, the second girl woman that he fell in love with was a young red-headed Irish lass, and oh. he and, and she was a good Irish Catholic, whose father if, insisted that his daughter was not going to marry this guy unless it was in the Catholic Church, 
And so Milton Hershey converted. Wow. And to this and to this day the Hershey Foundation is one of the largest philanthropic organizations in the entire United States. It certainly is the biggest one in the in the state of Pennsylvania. He actually bought and donated land uh, outside of Hershey, Pennsylvania, for what today and it still stands today, uh, and and basically helped to fund the Basilica de Saint Jean d'Arc, uh, which is oh, wow. still yeah, which is still the Catholic Church of choice, uh, the most beautiful one uh, in and around Hershey, Pennsylvania. True story. Well, I'm sorry I can't stand Hershey bars. It sounds like. A, um, no, nothing personal. I just do not like the chocolate, but that is a wonderful story. Okay, so uh, uh, we are going to talk today um, on the Mike Church Show here. Uh, I know it's been all war all the time, all bombing mm-hmm. all the time, all misery and debt and deficit all the yeah. time. Um, but there's an interesting thing, and you brought it up. So, so uh, Maggie looked it up, and I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. So you brought up, or, or somebody brought up Trad Wife. Yes, I was just talking about this, okay. this woman who's very worried about her daughter. <laughs> okay. So if you Google search mm. for hashtag Tradwife or just Tradwife, the first and most popular item that is returned is an article written by former Today Show hostess and NBC Nightly News anchor Katie Couric. And uh, is it is it is it uh, in praise of or is she just looking? Yeah. So Katie Couric apparently is is very much a fan or now a first cheesecake. So I thought, well, it's her birthday. So I thought I'll make her a cheesecake for her birthday cake. And it's it was a freak shake cheesecake. So it had marshmallows. Uh, melted marshmallows mixed into the cheesecake mix. <laughs> you can make me um, a cheesecake for my birthday because that's my favorite dessert. Oh, is it cheesecake? Oh, oh well. <laughs> well, if if I ever get over to the U.S., I will I will risk a, um, another revolution by by making a cheesecake for an American. Another there we revolution. Are. <laughs> well, you, you know, cheesecakes come from America, don't they? I do no. not know the etymology of the the culinary etymology of the cheesecake. Um, okay, maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah, um, which it would seem to me most uh, most culinary inventions are either good ones or either Italian or French. It, it might be French. Um, but then that's probably just because it's got cheese, and I'm assuming it's French. Um, but yes, the, she she loves this. So I, I just yes, I made and I, I I smothered it in all sorts of naughty goodies, like um, yes, like peanut um, peanut cups and everything that I know she likes. The, I see in the chat room, le sens de la vie. Yes, yes, the meaning of life. Uh, c'est chocolat. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I couldn't live without it. I, can you imagine there was a period in history where there was no chocolate? Well, the chocolate is, uh, um, as we know chocolate, it's a yes. 19th century concoction. Yep. Here in the United States, a man named Milton Hershey, um, uh, uh, before there was what is called today milk chocolate, there were just like the heavy chocolate. Yeah. And Milton Hershey uh, was a oh, how, uh, 
Who was the guy that makes candies? Uh, he was a candy air, a candy air, or whatever, whatever it was. He was a confectioner. Hershey confe- bars are horrible. Confectioner. He was a confectioner. Um, well, it's milk chocolate. You probably don't like milk chocolate then. Um, no, I love milk chocolate, but it's made completely differently over here. Okay, so Milton Hershey. It took him. Uh, it took him and six people that worked with him. It took them. Uh, uh, they experimented. And it took them eight years to perfect their milk chocolate that be, that he became famous for. But right. here's the upshot, the real upshot to the story. Mm-hmm. Milton Hershey's first wife died, and uh, the second the second the the second girl woman that he fell in love with was a young redheaded Irish lass. And he and, and she was a good Irish Catholic, whose father if, insisted that his daughter was not going to marry this guy unless it was in the Catholic Church, and so Milton Hershey converted. Wow! And to this and to this day, the Hershey Foundation is one of the largest philanthropic organizations in the entire United States. It certainly is the biggest one in the in the state of Pennsylvania. He actually bought and donated land uh, outside of Hershey, Pennsylvania, for what today and it still stands today, uh, and and basically helped to fund the Basilica de Saint Jean d'Arc, uh, which is oh, wow. still yeah, which is still the Catholic Church of choice, uh, the most beautiful one uh, in and around Hershey, Pennsylvania. True story. Well, I'm sorry I can't stand Hershey bars because it sounds like a. Um, no, nothing personal. I just do not like the chocolate, but that is a wonderful story. Okay, so uh, uh, we are going to talk today um, on the Mike Church show here. Uh, I know it's been all war all the time, all bombing mm-hmm. all the time, all misery and debt and deficit. <sighs> All the yeah. time, um, but there's an interesting thing, and you brought it up. So, so uh, Maggie looked it up, and I was like, "Well, that's interesting." So, you brought up, or or somebody brought up, trad wife. Yes, I was just talking about this, okay. this woman who's very worried about her daughter. <laughs> okay, so if you Google search mm. for hashtag trad wife or just trad wife, the first and most popular item that is returned is an article written by former Today Show hostess and NBC Nightly News anchor Katie Couric. And mm-hmm. uh, is it is it is it uh, in praise of or is she just looking yeah so Katie Couric apparently is is very much a fan or now a promoter of the trad wife trend. Yeah. So, if you go on Twitter, which I did, and you look for the hashtag TradWife, it is trending all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, um, uh, it, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, you know, Brother Francis Malouf, my, uh, my, philis- uh, my, my philis- uh, philosophy mentor, always said that the, the first thing that went uh, in, the 20, in the 20th century, which gave us all the, the, the sexual uh, uh, deviance that we went today, the first thing that went out the door was modesty. And Brother Francis says, was said, and he always he said this for 40 years, the first thing that will happen when there is a return to good morals will be feminine modesty. He said the first thing that would return would be modesty. Well... 
I think it is already on the return. I think it is, too. I think we reached peak. Uh, peak. I can see all your body parts outlined in your yoga pants. Um, which I never understood why so many women weren't more conscious of that. I mean, really. <laughs> it would bother me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it would probably bother me. I mean, I don't dress like that. But I don't like wearing tight-fitting pajamas when I'm alone. <laughs> much, much less in public. So. Too much information, my, my goodness. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. I, 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 yeah. I never understood. It, it, it yeah. seemed to me to be a, a rather painful trend. Yeah, I've, I've never got it. Because it used to be very, it was very in when I was a teenager to wear some very, very tight um, shorts and things like that. Yes. Like shorts that was all coming in. And I remember something like Malta in the, in the heat of the summer. It's not even comfortable. I remember um, sort of old ladies saying, why do young people wear these tight clothes? It's almost a penance. Why would you do that to yourself? I think she was. They were right. <laughs> it is almost dependent. <laughs> uh, I, I can't comment. Um, I do have a daughter that uh, that uh, wears them all the time, um, and other very unmodest uh, uh, get-ups of which I have implored her to, to cease and desist, but she won't uh, mm. because I'm an old fogey and uh, she knows better. But in any event, the fact that the trad wife is trending is, uh, um, and is becoming a thing, and uh, there there are more companies. Um, out there that if you're looking for that kind of modesty in dress, the, you know, the, the dress now that goes, uh, the Von Trapp dress that goes almost down <laughs> to the ankles, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and here in the States, when I go to a Latin mass, there's always a Latin mass community that supports almost every single mm -hmm. one of them. Um, almost all of the ladies, I mean, you know, to a fault, wear pretty much the same dresses. And they, uh, which doesn't mean they're they're ugly or anything, because there are many of them that are very stylish. But uh, 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 ankle length, full length, not dragging the ground length, but just a, a full length dresses. Um, uh, and uh, it's uh, it, it's pretty much a. Um, I, I want to say it's almost a, it's a rule, but it, but it's an unspoken rule. It's it's what uh, uh, Richard Fleming. The founder of Chronicles Magazine uh, called was something that was obedience to the unenforceable. It's not something you could enforce, but there were, you could be obedient to it because it was a good. Yes, I mean, I have to say, I'm not. I mean, it wouldn't be my style. I'm quite. I mean, I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm quite careful about the way I dress, but I, I, I've never really done floor length skirts. I must say. Um, well, I remember so it's, the it's skirt that you wore to Chavania. Yeah, some of that was below the knee. It was. It was. I, ha I have photos. I, I, I could embarrass you and put the photos in the... <laughs> no, I have a photo. There's a, no, you, you have and I have a photograph of the two of us together with me in that dress. Yes. That's they're... a 1950s-style dress, by the way. It's a yeah, no, no. I, I, I thought it was nice. Um, uh, and I do have the photographs. And, yes, I will withhold them for evidence someday. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, so the music... One final note here for you. The music oh, yes. that I played for your introduction was a song called Thank God It's Friday. Mm -hmm. Now, during the height of disco, now, how yeah. old were you when disco was out? Were you in a grade schooler? Were was, you in a, was you, that 80s? No, that disco? was in the late 70s. Were you nursing? Were you, I even, was, you weren't even I born. I wasn't even thought of. Okay. okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. At the height of, see how old I am? At the height of the disco era, 
Why mm-hmm. uh, there were films, uh, several films that are made were there, that were made. Uh, one of the uh, the more popular ones was this movie called "Thank God It's Friday." And um, it's actually about, uh, it follows like five or six characters. I, 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 to tell you the truth, I haven't seen it in 30 years. Um, but it is, um, it, it is a story about a girl who does not have a nice disco dress and gets talked into going to a disco with a friend of hers. And all she wants to do is leave, <laughs> but, she doesn't, but she doesn't have a ride. So she finds a nerd, basically, and she and the nerd, who doesn't have a nice leisure suit, hit it all because they're the worst-dressed people there. And then there is a crime that's going to be committed, and the, 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 the crime is thwarted, and then they finally get to leave, and they go off, and they live happily ever after. Um, but... What I like, what, what what I like about the uh, about the late seventies and in the and the disco era, uh, even though there was the malaise of the OPEC oil embargo and the Carter administration and stagflation and all that, because there was no media around to tell us we should all be miserable and that we should all film how miserable we are and share it with everyone. Um, there was a sort of a je ne sais quoi of of, of life. Um, uh, in, 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 which kind of paved the way for the 1980s and the Reagan, Thatcher, John Paul II years, when um, seemingly life was actually pretty pleasurable and good. <laughs> well, it's interesting I wish we could go back to it. I don't like being miserable on yelling at pe- yelling into microphones all the time. It's interesting hearing you say that because I've always thought it must have been awful to be alive at that at uh, that time. With why would it have been awful? Well, because the world was such a mess. I mean, you know, the oil crisis, I mean, strikes all over Britain. You know, it was a real low point economically, um, morally. (laughs) Yeah, but but we didn't know that. You didn't have a Twitter account to tell you that. Oh, I see. My experience was not miserable uh, in, in that era. And even Dr. Torres just put the DVD, thank God it's Friday. After 5,000 years of civilization, we all need a break. <laughs> oh, is that where the rest, yeah, the, the, um, the eatery TGI Fridays, is that where that comes from? It's possible that they took the uh, that they took the term. Um, uh, now, we have to be very careful as Catholics to, to, to say thank God it's Friday because it's crucifixion day, right? Yes. So, you know, as you always say, have an abstemious breakfast. <laughs> Indeed. You should have abstemious things the whole <laughs> the whole day. Um, but, yes, it is the end of the week, and uh, I think I'm going to play some disco music today instead of talking. Uh, we, uh, we, have some, uh, we have some great <laughs> some great guests coming up, um, and we'll, we'll get right to it. And uh, we will be back in Madisonville. I can't wait to get back to a house. Yes. And a real shower. Mm-hmm. Yes, Sounds in a good. real kitchen. <laughs> yes. Yes. You, you so are you telling me you haven't showered for the last? No, week? no, no. We hate. We, we don't, yeah, but in the space of a of, of a portable outhouse, uh, right. oh, it's okay. it's just very small. <laughs> it it, it, it right. works fine, and uh, we just offered it up. So we'll see you live from Madisonville Monday morning. Monday morning, yes. wonderful. Oh, we need to, we need to finish reading the summons as well. Okay. It's 33 minutes past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from Chile, England. Don't forget to write to me at Fiorella at crusadechannel.com and the chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. I will now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. (laughs) 